We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. I want to share the Word of God with you today, and so if you have a Bible, I would love you to go to the book of Malachi with me. Now, if you're new to church and you're like, where is the book of Malachi? It's right at the end of the Old Testament. Pretty much go to the book of Matthew, turn left, bam, there's the book of Malachi. Now, if you've been in church any length of time, any time a preacher says, let's go to the book of Malachi, you're probably immediately thinking, oh no, we're going to talk about giving, we're going to talk about tithing. But I want to encourage you today that even though that's not necessarily a bad subject to talk about, the book of Malachi is so much more than just a couple of verses in chapter 3. And so if you have a Bible, I want you to go to Malachi chapter 1, and we're going to read right at the beginning, chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. And this is what it says, the oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord, yet I have loved Jacob. I want to share on this thought, how to keep the wow factor. Before we do that, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. And I thank you that it's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword able to get into areas of our life and penetrate from the inside out and bring supernatural change. So I pray, God, today that you would do that with your word. Let us leave this session together better than when we came in, in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Have you ever had this moment where you were terrified about something that never actually eventuated? I was flying from Seattle to Chicago to go on a second date with my now wife, Anna. We were lined up on our first date by a mutual friend of ours, Pastor Kent Muncy, while we were all attending the Hillsong Conference in Sydney. It was a Thursday night of the conference and it was Pastor Kent's birthday and he invited Anna and I to go out downtown with him to celebrate his birthday. When we got downtown, uh, Pastor Kent looked at us and said, hey guys, I'm tired. I'm going to go back to the hotel and go to bed. Why don't you guys go out and enjoy yourself? It was around about 6 p.m. at night. I don't know if you can smell a setup there, but we were definitely set up. Forget Christian Mingle, forget, you know, singles only, forget farmersonly.com. We were set up by kentmuncie.com. And so anyway, we're out downtown in Sydney. I take her on a harbor cruise. And when we go out on the cruise, we find out there's a mutual interest. I like her. She likes me. We had no idea. And so we decided, let's go for a second date when we get back to the United States. So this is what's happening. I'm flying from Seattle. I was on staff there at Champion Center to Chicago. She was on staff at Family Christian Center in Munster, Indiana. And so we're flying out to meet. And about halfway there, I get a panic attack. I think to myself, what happens if I get there and there's no spark? What happens if I get there and I'm not that into her? How do I I stop this thing? Uh, Do I tell her, God told me 
we shouldn't go out? Do I blame God? What do I do? How do I break this thing off? Because maybe, maybe it was Sydney, maybe it was Hillsong, it was summer, maybe there was more about the atmosphere than the reality of a mutual attraction. And so pretty much all the way to Chicago, I'm freaking out, I'm panicking, I'm worrying, I'm nervous, I'm trying to work out how do I stop this train from going forward. <laughs> anyway, I land in Chicago. I'm walking from Terminal C to Terminal B to meet her in baggage claim and I can't think of anything else except this is going to be terrible, this is going to be bad and I come out into the baggage claim area and I turn right. And I don't know how she did this, but when I turned right and looked, there comes Anna walking towards me in slow motion. The crowd just parted like the Red Sea parted in front of Moses. Her beautiful, long, blonde hair was just blowing in the wind. Uh, from the fans that obviously she had strategically set up throughout the airport. John Legend was playing love songs on an acoustic guitar in the corner. And her radiance of her beautiful face just lit up. And I remember in that one moment, she took my breath away. And I thought to myself, holy wow. All those fears were thrown out. I was in love and I think I may have thought to myself at that moment, I need to marry this woman immediately. Uh, we've been married now for nearly 15 years and I want to encourage you, I never want to lose that holy wow moment. Every day I thank Anna, thank you for marrying me. You could have married anybody else, but you allowed me into your life. I never want at any point, no matter how long that we're married, to lose the wow factor. That, that moment of being blown away, of, of being captivated, is important when it comes to our spouse. It's important when it comes to our family and other things in life. But specifically today, I want to talk about keeping the holy wow factor when it comes to our relationship with God and when it comes to reading the Word of God. And more specifically, I want to encourage you today, never lose the wow factor when it comes to the amazing thing called the Kingdom of God, His Bride, His Church that you and I get to be a part of. But here's a sad reality. There is one thing that you and I can learn from history, and that is that we rarely ever learn from history. One thing that we can learn from Bible history is it's supposed to teach us things, but we rarely learn from Bible history. Because what we learn from Bible history is that God's people have a propensity to lose the wow factor. Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden they were in a spectacular place, worshipping and walking with God on a daily basis in a world of wonder. But somewhere in there, they lost the wow factor and they started to treat what they had like it wasn't good enough. 
We see that happening all the way through the Old Testament with Israel. They go in this cycle of wow and wonder before God, but then they go into apathy, which leads into sin, which leads into judgment that takes them into captivity, and then God has to deliver them. And once they're delivered, they're back into the wow factor and wonder of God, but then it leads back into apathy and then into sin, then into judgment, captivity, deliverance, and wow again, and they stay on this cycle over and over again. New Testament opens up and we find that Jesus goes all psycho ninja Jesus over a people that had lost the wonder and they're buying sacrifices in the temple and they're offering up offerings that cost them nothing. The New Testament closes out with God speaking to a church that's in its infancy stages. And he says to one church, hey, you guys have lost the wow factor. You are not hot. You are not cold, but you are lukewarm. He says to another church, I, I want you to return to your first love. You've lost the wow factor. The book of Malachi is not a book on tithing. The book on Malachi is a prophet speaking to this very issue to the nation of Israel. Israel you have lost the wow factor. It opens up in verse one and God says, I love you. And then Israel responds with, well, how have you loved us? I, I love what the Message Bible says next. The Message Bible says, God says, look at history. Uh, look at how differently I've treated you. If you read it in the English Standard Version of the Bible, God says, I've loved you, says the Lord. Yet you say, how have you loved us? And then God goes into this rant. Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I've hated. I've laid waste his hill country and left a heritage of jackals in the desert. And it just goes on. It's almost like God says to Israel, I love you. They respond with, how have you loved us? And God's like, are you kidding me? Are you being serious right now? Am I hearing how have I loved you, Jacob? Did you not realize you, you weren't the firstborn? That Esau was the firstborn? You weren't supposed to get the birthright, yet through my grace, I gave you the birthright and I've made you a blessed nation. Has no one told you how differently I've treated you than every other nation? Is there nowhere that you understand how much more blessed, how much more deliverance, how much more favor, how much more blessing, how much more honor I have given you than any other nation on the planet? Do you not realize how favored you are? How can you say, how have I loved you? Israel has lost the wow and they don't even realize that they've lost it. In Malachi chapter one, verse six, God says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts. To you priests who despise my name. Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? God says, I expect to be honored. I expect to be revered. I've honored you, I've blessed you, but I don't feel honored by you. 
and I don't feel respected by you. In the New Testament, Jesus tells two parables, one about a son who disrespects his father by asking him for his inheritance too early. And then he tells a, a, a parable about a servant who disrespects his master by burying his talent and presuming on his motives. And this is how God feels right here in the book of Malachi. He says, if I'm a father, I should be honored, but I don't feel honored. If I'm a master, I should be revered, but I don't feel revered. And then Israel's answer is, well, how? They've lost the wow, but they don't even realize how. And this conversation of God feeling one way and Israel being clueless is the conversation of the book of Malachi. In Malachi chapter 1, verse 2, God says, I love you. They say, how have you loved us? In Malachi chapter 1, verse 6, God says, you've despised my name. And they say, well, how have we despised your name? Malachi chapter 1, verse 7, God says, you've offered pollute offerings, polluted offerings on my altar. And God says, how? Sorry, Israel says, how have we offered polluted offerings? In chapter 2, verse 17, God says, You've wearied me with your words. Israel answers, how have we wearied you with our words? In chapter 3, verse 7, God says, you've turned aside from my statutes, return to me. And they're like, well, how can we return to you? In chapter 3, verse 8, God says, you've robbed me. And they say, well, how have we robbed you? And in chapter 3, verse 13, God says, you've spoken harsh things against me. And they say, well, how have we spoken harsh things against you. Israel has lost the how, the wow, and they don't even realize how. And here's the problem. When you lose the wow for God, you lose the wow of God. Let me say that again. When you lose the wow for God, you lose the wow of God. When you lose honor, you lose the power. In Malachi chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, God says, And now, O priests, this commandment is for you. If you will not hear, if you will not take it to heart, to give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, I will send a curse upon you, and I, listen to this, will curse your blessings. Yes, I have cursed them already, because you do not take it to heart. God says to the priests, You're blessing people, but I'm not backing you with my power. You're praying things over people, but I'm not supporting you with my power. There's a lot of effort of ministry happening and you're doing it in your own strength. You're not being backed with my power. Why? Because when there is no wow for me, there is no wow from me. When honor is low, the power is low. The Bible says about the ministry of Jesus, that there was one city that he went into and he could not do many miracles there. Why? Because there was no honor. A prophet is only without honor in his own hometown. And so when the honor was low, the power of God was low. Think about this. It's the exact same Jesus who goes into a city, but he cannot do miracles. Why? Because there's a lack of honor. And the lack of honor strangles the power of God. There was a woman with an issue of blood and her honor for Jesus was so high. She said, you know what? I don't need him to stop. 
I don't need him to talk to me. I don't need a conversation. He can just keep moving. But if I can just touch the edge of his garment, I'll be healed. Her honor was off the Richter. It was off the chart. She reached through the crowd while Jesus was still moving, touched the edge of his garment, and it stopped Jesus in his tracks. And he said, who touched me? The disciples just laughed. They're like, everyone. There's like, everyone's touching you, Lord. There's no one who's not touching you. In fact, the King James Bible uses the word press. Absolutely zero social distancing happening right here. They're crammed in like sardines. They're moving through the crowd like this. And Jesus stops me and says, yeah, you're all touching me with a common touch. But there's a woman who touched me with a touch of honor. There's a woman who touched me in a different way. I felt power leave my body. You think about that. Her honor is so high, she drew a miracle out of God without Jesus even praying for her. Her honor was so high that the power of God had nothing else to do but respond to the honor. So when honor is low, it stifles power. When honor is high, it releases power. That's why it's so vital for you and I to have the wow factor when it comes to the kingdom. That's why it's so vital for you and I to have the wow factor when it comes to church, when it comes to the things of God. Because I'm not sure if you would agree with me, but right now in 2020, we need the power of God. Right now in 2020, we need to see miracles. We need the breakthrough power of the Holy Spirit in the earth today. And it happens when the family of God, the people of God, the church of God get on a high and live with a high wow factor towards the things of God. But here's our challenge. Historically, we found that man has a propensity to lose the wow factor, to move from honor away from honor. And, and, and you never just go from honor to division in one hit. There's always a slide, and this is how it works. Honor, familiarity, contempt, dishonor, and then division. There's always an honor slide. Honor is the highest level of wow. It's amazement. It, it's, it's adding worth. It's adding value. It's, it's, it's glorifying. Familiarity is a step down. And the danger with familiarity is it's what the Bible calls as being lukewarm. Familiarity is an unrecognizable state. It happens by being around something for a long period of time and then just not like despising it, but not treating it like it's wow. It's just, just taking the edge off. It's not hot, it's not cold, it's lukewarm. The edge has gone off the heat and it's an unrecognizable state. Familiarity left unguarded, lukewarm left unheated is going to progress to cold. And so lukewarm, familiarity moves to contempt. Contempt is silent, under the surface aggravation. That contempt left untouched is going to lead to dishonor. Now dishonor is not the absence of honor. We're created to worship. We're created to worship and honor something. Dishonor just means, not that I'm not honoring, it means I've moved my honor onto something else. And so I should be honoring here, 
but now I'm honoring here. And so I'm supposed to be honoring God, but now I'm honoring something else. And then dishonor then eventually leads to division. You can follow that pattern in many other areas of our life. Like relationships, honor is high. When honor is high, it says, I want to marry you. The wow factor. I love you, Anna. I want you to be my bride. I, I, I'm going to lay aside everybody else. You're the one. And so you get married. It's the highest level of honor is marriage. Then familiarity kicks in. Familiarity happens when you've been around together for a long time. And now familiarity gives you the permission to say and do things that honor would never allow to happen. <clears throat> I was in a elevator some time back with a, uh, a, a worker in a hotel and I said to him, hey man, what are you doing tonight? He said, I'm going home to the old ball and chain. Now obviously they've been married for a while and it gives him permission to call her a name that is not honoring. He probably didn't call her that when they were dating, but now they've been around for a while it just gives him permission to do and say things that honor would never allow. Now, if you don't check the familiarity, it moves into contempt. Contempt is now you're with your partner and there are just little things that aggravate the fire out of you. They're just things that you judge that you don't like and that are annoying and they, they create fights and they create tension. Unchecked, that will lead to dishonor. Now, dishonor is not a lack of honor. It just means now you're looking at somebody at work. You're looking at somebody at church. You're looking at somebody online that you find more attractive than your spouse. And that always leads to division. You see it happening in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve are walking with God on a daily basis, enjoying relationship. And I don't know how long they have done this, but now they're walking with God and they start to get familiar because familiarity gives them permission to say and do things honor would never allow. So they question God. Has God really said that we can't eat off the tree? Why won't he let it? Are we really going to die? They're questioning what God has said. Leads them into contempt, silent judgment. Hang on a second. That tree he told us not to eat off. It looks good for food. It looks pleasing to the eye. And the Bible says it's desirable to make one wise. Why is God holding out on us? Why can't we eat off that tree? How, how messed up is that? He's only given us the planet. Why won't he let us eat off that tree? Contempt. That leads to dishonor. They take the fruit and they eat it. So rather than their honor going towards God, now their honor is self-centered. They're after their own selfish desires. It leads to division where they have to hide themselves in the garden away from God and eventually getting kicked out of the garden. You see it happen in church life. People come into the kingdom of God. They get saved. They come early. They leave late. They volunteer. They're involved in teams. They're, they're, they're totally engulfed with what's happening in church. And they stay there for a while and they start to get familiar. And they start to do things that honor would never allow them to do. So now they come late and they leave early. And now they give them permission, themselves permission. I don't need to go to church every week. Man, it wouldn't hurt me to miss one Sunday in a while. So they go from being late 
to missing church once a week, uh, once a month, and then they go to, well, why do we have to go to church every week? Why can't we only go to church once a month? And then they're just coming spasmodically, and then they're just coming when time allows, and church becomes secondary in their life rather than the kingdom of God being a major priority. Then contempt kicks in. Now they're just getting aggravated. Why do they have to do that song? Why do we have to do this? Why do we have to join a small group? Little things at church start to aggravate and start to annoy them. It moves into dishonor, where they move their honor from that church to maybe a speaker online. I mean, I can listen to that ministry online. I don't even need to go to church. And they start to enter into dishonor that eventually leads into division where they become disconnected from the church. See, it happened in the ministry of Jesus. When Jesus is preaching and their honor is high and the Bible says in Luke chapter 4 that they marveled at the gracious words that came out of his mouth. Then familiarity kicks in. Hang on a second. This guy's not that good. He's just Joseph's son. He's just dodgy Mary's son. Then the whole story about she's a virgin. They start to question. Contempt kicks in. Silent judgment. Jesus addresses it. I know what you're thinking. What you've done out here in Capernaum, do here where we're at. Let us see the miracles. Come on, miracle boy. Then it leads into dishonor, where they take it off listening to the word and they become consumed with themselves and they chase after Jesus and division nearly kicks in where they want to throw him over the cliff and they want to kill him. In Psalm 1, honor is high. Delight is in the law of the Lord and you're meditating both day and night. Familiarity kicks in where you walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Contempt kicks in when you stand in the seat, uh, stand in the pathway of the scornful, of, of the sinner. And then uh, you have uh, dishonor where you sit in the seat of the scornful, a judgment, criticism, and then eventually division comes where they're like the chaff blown away. You can find this pattern happening over and over again in scripture and over again in life. So how do you keep the wow factor high? Then you need to identify where you are on the honor slide and you need to crank up the heat. Malachi addresses some of those uh, honor robbers. He addresses some of the wow factor robbers. Let me give a few of those for you today. Here's the first one, simply this. You've got to guard your heart against entitlement. Guard your heart against entitlement. It's very easy to move from blessing to it being your right. In Malachi chapter 1 verse 2, God says, I love you. And they say, well, how have you loved us? They have lost the story of all the amazing things that God has done for Israel. And they've moved from it being something that they should be honoring God for, for something that they just take as a right. They've lost the wow factor because of entitlement. I want to encourage you. We live in a very blessed generation in church. I'm not sure that there's ever been a generation more blessed than you and I are right now. Uh, we should be the most biblically literate generation on the planet because on our phone, 
we have the Bible app where you can just read all sorts of versions of the Bible. And if you're not a good reader, you can push a button and have the Bible read itself to you. We've got more resources of praise and worship available to us than any other generation. We should be able to worship every day because of, of things like Spotify playlists and YouTube worship videos and all sorts of praise and worship that's available and it's awesome. Praise and worship is awesome today. Your pastor has built a phenomenal facility. You are in an incredible church. And I want to encourage you, don't treat that like it's you're entitled to the greatness because not every church is as good as you. You know, it's easy for us to move from being thankful to blessing to being feeling like we deserve the blessing to come our way. There was a, a ministry in America, a great man of God called Marvin Gorman, and he was around in the era of Jimmy Baker and, and Jimmy Swaggart, and those three ministries bit the dust around about the same time. Pastor Marvin's son, Mark, is a close friend of mine, and I was in New Orleans some years back visiting with Mark, and I had an opportunity to sit down with Pastor Marvin. And we were in conversation. He was an incredible man. And, and he said to me, he said, John, you know where it all went wrong for me? And I said, no, sir, I don't know what happened. And, and he said, I, I prayed about it. And he said, this is what God showed me. He said, Marvin, when you were in the height of your ministry, there'd be a man who would come to your office and he would lay out suits and you could choose any suit that you wanted. He said, yes, oh God, I remember that. And I was always grateful for that man. He says, Marvin, remember the man that would come to your office and he would lay shoes down on a desk and you could choose whichever pair of shoes you wanted. And Pastor Marvin was like, yes, Lord, I, I remember that man. And I was always grateful. He said, remember the little lady that would meet you in the lobby? She would hand you $10 and that was your coffee money for the week. He says, yes, Lord, I remember that lady and I was always grateful. And then God said to him, yeah, Marvin, you were always grateful, but you got to the place where you felt like you deserved it. Entitlement is a dangerous thing. And entitlement makes us spoiled brats as Christians. Here's the second thing. You've got to beware of the seduction of proximity. The closer you get to something that's amazing and the longer you spend around it, the less amazing it seems. In Malachi chapter 1 verse 6, he says, A son honors his father and a servant his master. If I'm a father, where's my honor? If I'm a master, where's my reverence? A father, you've grown up with him. A master, you've worked with him a long time. You've hung around for a long time. And when you hang around something for a long time, it's easy for the wow factor to wear off. When I was 10, uh, all I wanted for Christmas was a three-speed Mulvan Star dragster bike. I knew if I got that bike, I would be the coolest kid in Leopold Street, Aikenvale, Townsville. Everybody at Aikenvale Elementary School would want to be me. Bram Steele would want to be my best friend. Mickey Landers would want to hang out with me. And Fiona Jones, who lived next door, she would want to be my wife. I just knew that if I could just get that bike, my life would be made. And so I wished upon a star. I wrote a special letter to Santa and believed that, that, that I would get that on Christmas Day. Christmas Day arrived and I ran to the tree and there it was. Wah! The Mulvan Star three-speed dragster bike. 
beautiful handlebars that seem to reach up like hands reaching to the heaven praising God, the beautiful curved banana seat, the back bar that I could just lean up against it and just ride down the streets and everyone would think I was amazing. I love that bike. I wouldn't let anybody ride it. It had a special place in our garage that I could just lean it up where nothing would touch it. I, I polished it every day, cleaned it down. Uh, I looked after that beautiful bike because it had a place of honor. I'm not sure how long it lasted. It may have been three months. It could have been three weeks. Knowing me, it's possible it could have only been three days. But somewhere along the line, familiarity kicked in and the wow factor wore off. And next thing you know, my bike spent countless nights just in the backyard as I just dumped it getting home from playing with friends and run off to do something else to get my attention. I didn't clean it for weeks on end. Talk about no one else being allowed to ride it. Now I let everybody ride it. And sometimes three or four of us jumped on the bike at the same time. Here's the challenge. If you're not careful, proximity can turn the fantastic into the familiar. It can turn the celebrated into the common, and it can turn the amazing into the average. And if we're not careful, it can turn the wow into the whatever. Here's another thing that you have to guard against. You either have to guard against the rationalization of apathy. If you wanna protect the wow factor, you've gotta guard against the rationalization of apathy. Malachi chapter 1 verse 7, God says, You offer defiled food on my altar, but you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord. And in the verse 12, of chapter one, he challenges them again about bringing sacrifices that were crippled, lame, diseased, half dead. Here's what's happened. Israel for centuries have brought animals into sacrifice, bring a lamb into sacrifice before the Lord. They bring a lamb from home, they would give it to the priest, the, the animal would be killed, the animal would be placed on an offering, fire would burn, and it will be offered up unto the Lord as an offering to God. Well, you can just understand having done this for a while, that all of a sudden they start to think to themselves, hang on a second, we're bringing a lamb in and then we are killing it and then we're burning it and it ends up as ash and it goes up as an offering. They're not even using the lamb to breathe. They're not even using the lamb to eat. They're just killing it. They're burning it. And it goes to ash. And the smoke goes up as an offering. So, why are we bringing our best? Why would I bring my best sheep that I could use to breed better sheep if all I'm going to do is kill it? And all they're going to do is burn it and offer it up. It's gonna be dead. So if I bring a lame lamb or a cripple lamb or a blind lamb or a half, you know, uh, fly-blown lamb in, they're just gonna kill it. They're gonna burn it. Who would know? But God says, I know. I see that you're not giving me your best. 
I see that you're giving me a half-hearted sacrifice. And God says, I don't want your excuse to be apathetic. I don't want your excuse to be lazy. I don't want your excuse on why you think you're justified by giving me anything less than your best. Well, God, you gotta understand, I can't come to church every week. I have a busy life. God says, I understand that you have a busy life. And I understand that you need finances. And I understand that you need clothing. And I understand that you need a good house. And I need, understand that you need food. And I understand that you wanna have some fun and have activities. And God says, I'm not against any of that. In fact, Jesus says, my father knows that you need all these things. But he says, seek first the kingdom. See, God doesn't demand to be your only priority, but he does demand to be your first priority. God never says to you, you can't do anything else. You can only have church. You can only worship me. You're on the only thing. God never says that. God says, no, no. He says, but I want to be your first priority. He says, so what I want you to do is don't put work first and then make me second. Don't put family first and then make me second. Don't put your hobbies first, golf, fishing, holidays. Don't put all that first and then put me second. No, I want you to put me as your name, number one priority. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and then everything else can get added and you can enjoy the blessing. That's all good. There's nothing wrong with that. But make my kingdom your number one priority. Resist the urge to rationalize any apathy or half-hearted attitudes towards the kingdom of God. Let me give you one more. Remember your words are chariots of honor. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 13, God says, You've said harsh things against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You've said it's futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed, certainly the evildoers prosper, and even those who challenge God escape. What is God saying? Your conversations about me are negative. Your conversations about me are not uplifting. Your conversations are in the wrong space. Your words are chariots of honor. I want to encourage you. Think about your conversations. You know, in 2020, opinion has become a God. In, in fact, we've gone away from calling it an opinion to calling it my truth. And we've elevated my truth so high that we've demonized everybody else's truth and their opinions. And so we elevate our truth over everybody else's truth. And our opinions have become like little gods. And now in this information age, we've got all sorts of technologies to throw our opinions out. Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter. And how many of you know our, our Twitter feeds and Facebook feeds and Instagram feeds are just flooded with all sorts of opinion and people's truth. And, uh, and a lot of it's negative. Uh, a lot of it is, is attacking. A lot of it is not uplifting. And there's just a lot of arguments that are out there and all sorts of confrontations happening. I just want to encourage you, your words are chariots of honor. Not just your words you speak with your mouth, 
but words that you write down when you type it out, words that you post online. Our conversations need to be uplifting and life-giving. Our conversations need to be positive, not negative. Our conversations should build up and not tear down. And when it comes to our conversations about God and about His house and about His kingdom, you and I need to be the cheerleaders for the house of God. Anybody can criticize, anybody can pull down, anybody can attack. And this year, we've experienced more attacks, I think, than any other year that I've seen in the kingdom of God, and not just individually, but globally. People are leaving churches because the church shut down too quickly with COVID. And people are leaving churches because churches opened up too quickly after COVID. Everyone's got an opinion on what should happen. I want to encourage you, lay your opinions aside for the welfare of the vision and speak life into the things of God. Speak life into the house of God. You should be the greatest cheerleader of your pastor. You should be the greatest cheerleader of your church. You should speak honor and life, love and grace to the house of God. Let your words, Bible says life and death, are in the power of the tongue. Blessing and cursing are in the power of the tongue. Our words give life. You and I, let us make our words be words of edification, love. Speak, speak love to your wife. Speak love to your husband. Speak encouragement at work. Speak uh, encouragement at church. Let's be life givers in the house of God. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.